Hello, hello, welcome to Anime Ichiban, the first episode of Anime Ichiban of not just the year, but the decade! Happy 2020, everyone. It's going to be a good another 10 years. Is it, though? Hopefully. Well, I was just about to ask you, Kyle, do you think it'll be a good another 10 I, years? I think it'll be fine. It's just, if you're on Twitter as much as I am, you see what hashtags are trending, and it's mm-hmm, been... Mm-hmm, very... mm-hmm, I, I feel mm-hmm, like that's mm-hmm. a large part of that is just people trying to bandwagon for humor. So I'm not too concerned, but concerning things are happening within the first week of 2020. So, Yeah, not even the first week, the first four days. Yeah, of it. it's still the fifth. <sighs> yep. <laughs> That's fun. That's fun. Yes. But repeating our pattern from last year, Harry is not joining us for this episode of the first new year. He was that a thing that happened other... last year too? Yeah, last year he was at, he was uh, taking a break from all writing stuff, so it was just oh, that's right, I forgot. Yeah, he also. took a break from the site for a bit. Yeah, that's also when I first started doing the uh, news roundups. Oh, look at that! We've been doing yeah. these for a year. We've been doing the podcasting that. for a little longer too. Yeah. yeah, a year and a half, I think. Yeah, that does not feel point. right. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of, how were your holidays, Kyle? Uh, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, oh, whatever. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to be real. Going back home is always a little bit exhausting. Um, It was a lot of bit exhausting this time because when I went back home, uh, I helped my family clear out our family storage. So we rent a storage unit, um, but it's gotten pretty expensive. It's like 500 bucks a month. And a lot of the stuff in there Mm. that we have, we don't use and we haven't used for like years. So we're like, okay. Sure does sound like a storage unit. Yeah, let's just get rid of this and like downsize to a smaller one and we're going to be saving like 300 bucks. So that was fine. We did that. But as you can imagine, that's a lot of like getting up, moving things. And all of that. In addition to, you know, being around family and that requiring a lot of social energy. It's just, I'm, I'm glad to be back home. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, yeah. What about you? Yeah, I totally get that. Normally, I would definitely be uh, ready to come back home after visiting my family. But uh, this year was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So my, my dad got a new job in Denver. And so my mom oh. and he relocated over there. Oh, right. You're which dead. is a nice. new, yeah. New city for them, and it's a new city for me, basically. I've connected through Denver before, but never actually explored mm. it. And so, not only was it a new city, but it was also just my mom, my dad, and my sister, and my dog. And that was it. There was no other family around, so it was just a nice little cozy Christmas Oh, that's them. really nice. That sounds this, really nice. T- yeah, and this really small temporary housing unit provided by the company that was basically an Airbnb. But was it, it like fully I, I really like already and stuff. Yeah, it, it was still fully furnished. Oh, nice. it, was, it was a cozy nice. place, but it was very tiny. It was not much bigger than my apartment that I live in on my own. And there were four but, people there and a dog. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, it, it contributed to the cozy atmosphere, That's and I, nice. I really enjoyed That's it. Really just nice. kind of, yeah, being able to unwind. And the best part is just losing track of time when you're like, "What day is it today? Why does it matter? I don't care, mm-hmm. and I can just do whatever." And so it was really nice to just relax like that we did go out to uh national park or state park not sure which one called uh the garden of the gods oh my god that's intense yeah it sounds very intimidating but it's just uh this really lots of cool hiking trails these really cool rock formations mm-hmm. dog friendly so the dog had a good oh, time as well nice. very nice yeah so overall very refreshing and now i'm back in boston for one more day now one more day and then i fly back to denver <laughs> because yeah for do the shenanigans that i won't get into I went to Denver for Christmas with my family, and now I'm going back to Denver to go to Vail, Colorado on a ski trip 
with one of my friends. Oh, neat. And, yeah, it's just the way that worked out is that's why I'm going back and forth oh my God. instead of just staying there. But, yeah, that's that's a long story. Oh my God. But, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that. I'm basically back in Boston for a business trip and to record this podcast. <laughs> so be grateful, view- not viewers, listeners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it mm-hmm. sounds like you've got a pretty busy schedule and have had a pretty busy schedule that's that's a lot of flying <laughs> yeah but at least it's only uh going to colorado it's only about three and a half three hours 45 oh, yeah I guess. And coming back is only three hours yeah. so yeah it's not that yeah, bad because it's in the middle like, of the states yeah that's like right at the moment where i'm ready to get off the plane mm. it's like okay i've taken a nap i played some of my switch i'm ready to stand up and then the flight's over so that's perfect yeah 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 well because he used to because you're also from California, so you used to fly back there from the East Coast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I do not miss eight and a half hour flights. Yeah, it's not fun. But yeah, speaking of playing my Switch, uh, now that the release schedules have finally started to slow down a bit, I have been playing, or I finished playing through uh, the Link's Awakening remake, because that was oh, always on nice. my docket. Okay. Yeah, and I had never played the original Link's Awakening, mm-hmm. so this was a pure delight for me. <clears throat> uh, I definitely... I was... Surprised at how well the game holds up today, beyond just like the remake aspects, but just like how tightly the dungeons are designed, how well the mm-hmm. overworld is laid out. Mm-hmm. Uh, my one main complaint with it is that it the, the part it's chose its age is kind of directing you where to go next in the overworld can be a little bit ambiguous sometimes what you need to do next. There's like a uh, little yeah. hint hotline that I don't know if it was there in the original game, but even then... It's not super clear sometimes, so I definitely had to look online at a guide. Yeah. But yeah. That was what I appreciated about Link Between Worlds, was it had the same kind of open direction feeling that Link's Awakening had, but it was a lot easier to know what you needed to get done next. Right. I don't remember getting stuck in Link Between Worlds. Yeah. But yeah, beyond that, I'd always heard things about the ending for Link's Awakening, and so... I got to the ending, and of course I'm not going to spoil it, but it, it's one of those endings where I did it at first. I'm like, huh. So that's the ending, huh? And I didn't really get the the hype behind it, but the more I sat down and thought about it and also kind of read people's interpretations about it and things like that, mm-hmm. the more I realized like how it is a very, it's a very beautiful ending in its own right. I also realized I didn't get the secret ending because I didn't realize you were supposed to not die the entire game, oh so I looked that up and that added... Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely appreciate the ending more that I thought about it some more. But it did, it wasn't one of those ones where it happens like, oh my god! It's just like you have to slow let it percolate a little bit. Yeah, and now I'm playing Luigi's Mansion Three, which is also a delight. With it's just Luigi, Luigi. Yeah, <laughs> it's just infinitely creative with how much they pack into a single room, how you interact with your environment, and the creative ways they they get with using a vacuum as Mm -hmm. your primary Mm -hmm. way to interact so yeah i'm definitely enjoying that and with a little bit of galgun 2 on the side oh my god not (laughs) like is that game even fun that's what i always feel like when have you you ever played time have you ever played time crisis in the arcade it's it's anime time crisis basically (sighs) but you don't have a and it's more fun than it has any right to be it's a real shooter but you don't have like a light gun yeah but with uh the switch you have gyro controls Oh, so you can just like 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 point at the screen stuff. Yeah, exactly. And so it, you can like mm-hmm. you can adjust the controls in many different ways. So like at normal zoom, you could just use the analog sticks to like move around quickly. And then when you can set it to where it, motion controls only kick in when you zoom in, so you can like fine tune things. So yeah, it it works out well, All but right. it is like absolutely an arrow anime shooter All at right. the end of the day. All right. So 
There's no getting around that part if that bugs you. But it is fun. Well, all right. Yeah, I'm always just usually, like, skeptical about the gameplay of these, like, fan service games. Because, like, I picked up... Of course, up, yeah. Yeah, I, I was like... <sighs> In a weaker moment of mine, I picked up the Sinron Kagura, the, the water gun game. I was like, I, I mm-hmm. read people comparing it to Splatoon. I was like, oh, that sounds neat. And I picked it up and played it for like an hour and the controls were awful. And I refunded <laughs> it like nearly immediately. So, yeah, like, I, I don't know. But it's good to hear that it was actually yeah, pretty I got fun. it on sale, by the way. I, I uh, got it because it was on sale good. for like $10. Good. Yeah. There you go. And it, it's definitely worth the $10. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I guess I can't really judge on, like, buying those kinds of games because um, I have been playing, at least on my end for my Switch games, I've been playing Mm -hmm. uh, the Steinsgate rom-com spinoff that finally got localized. (laughs) Oh, yes, please tell me about that. Yeah, so it's really weird. Um, It's called Steinsgate and My Darling's Embrace, and it's just Steinsgate without the drama. Which I'm okay with considering how strong the characters are they, in Steins they are, they are. It's yeah. just that, honestly, it feels like the characters are lacking a bit of dimensionality because there isn't that heavy, like, pressing weight. I of see. That dramatic weight that's, like, putting their character putting their characters to the test. So it, it it's really nice, but it feels like... Okay, so if you ever watch shows and you have, like, those omake episodes, like, mm-hmm. where it's, like, chibi or, like, like kind of, like, a screenshot animation where it's, like, one-offs and they, they put these characters in, like, different scenarios, different cute scenarios that are just for fun. Right. Yeah, that's what this game is, but a whole visual novel. And I don't hate it. But I'd be like hesitant to recommend it to people. <laughs> it, it sounds like because it's lacking the uh, core conflict of the original show, and the conflict is what drove the many facets of the characters. Yeah, exactly. Saw, they fall back on their kind of tropes or archety- archetypes. Yeah, exactly, film, exactly. That. And it's not bad. It's just uh, it feels a little weird. But I'm enjoying mm, I, it because I, I, I missed these characters. But on the other hand, it's like Steinsgate is like one of, if not the best shows um, and series, especially with its writing. So to have that with made some our top ten, 10 in our it decade didn't make list, our top 10, and I wrote the capsule for it. But <laughs> <laughs> but with my darling's embrace, it's just like it. It's two steps away from Steinsgate fan fiction. <laughs> and it reads like it's two steps away from Steinsgate fan fiction, but I wonder who the author was for it because it's still by Nitro Plus, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, or not it, Nitro no, Plus, Mages. Uh, it's still yeah. by Mages, but I don't know yeah. who's the who the scenario writer is. Yeah. It, whoever it is, they still captured the characters' personalities really well, but that also helps that you know their characters are just very solid to begin with. So I, I haven't finished it yet. I'm in, I'm in the middle of it, and it's just very odd i mm-hmm. it's very much a guilty pleasure game i'm not even sure if you consider it a guilty pleasure just because with all the shit that the characters go through in steins gate it must be nice to just that, see them that, happy that that was my big thing about playing it was like i just want to see them hang out i liked the slice of life stuff in steins gate yeah so it basically just feels like the first half of steins gate 
mm-hmm. which some people have problems with. But I see that's the other yeah. part of it too. Is like I really like Steins Gate, and I so I enjoyed Steins Gate to start off with, but I really liked it when the drama kicked in and you see Okabe like actually coming to terms with the situation at hand and how he uses his chuny personality as like a defense mechanism. In here, it's just, haha, look at the weird Chuni scientist. And it's like, ah, 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 <laughs> it's cute. Yeah, basically, this visual novel in a vacuum would not hold up. Yeah, yes, film. absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I've been playing. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me on the visual novel aspect. I have been playing one uh, from Manga Gamer that just came out called Bokuten, Why I Became an Angel. And it's. It's really good, but man, I can tell it's going to annihilate me as we go down the line. It's basically mm-hmm. uh, the basic premise boils down to main character accidentally shoots an angel out of the sky with his bow and arrow. Uh, and now the angel is incapable of kind of helping couples with their love. And so the main, and this sounds really corny. But yes, now it's the main character is assist, assisting the angel and kind of repairing these relationships or giving or facilitating the relationship of these couples. And depending how you choose to do it, it can have comp, it can have uh, consequences. And I'm four chapters in. I just started the fourth chapter, but the way I resolved the second chapter, it ended pretty well. But in the third chapter, it definitely seemed like it was a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Mm-hmm. And someone was getting hurt no matter what option oh, you man. chose. And like the op- it, the option I chose, I, I still felt really bad, even knowing that if I chose the other option, just this other person would have got hurt. But it still made me feel like I was at fault. And so I've heard that this game gets very, very depressing later on. And so I, I can't really imagine what it's going to get like. But yeah, it's it's... <laughs> It's very it's very stimulating so far in how it's exploring different forms of love and how the different shapes it can take and the different relationships that can come out of it. And the characters themselves are just very strong as well, okay. uh, both design and personality-wise. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. The The titular angel is a lovable derp, and uh, she's so kind of like this, uh, yeah, this, this, this bright light of levity and what can all, often be a very... Uh, gloomy story so yeah i'm looking forward of to course she's gonna have that. like yeah. this dramatic ending with like her own chin and it's gonna be made even worse with the fact that she's like this cute and adorable lovable character <laughs> yep so yeah that's well you're kind of like walking into that one but yeah i haven't yeah. played like i guess a serious vn like that in a while um, does it at least have like? So you said it has moments of levity, but it, does does it just have like jokes, or are there like slice of life elements, or? Oh, there's slice of life okay, elements for okay. sure. Yeah, like basically, the more people that find out about the angel's identity, they form kind of like this this club in a way, and so in between the moments of when it gets to like the real crux of the relationship solving, they're just kind of like having Hanging fun out. together and poking okay, jokes at each nice. other. Yep. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, I at this point in time, I could recommend it if you don't want to be depressed or be gloomy though maybe steer clear of it mm. what's a non-depressing vn a non-depressing vn would be uh furiraba which is um it stands it's f-u-r-e-r-a-b-a mm-hmm. and the english name is like from friend to lover and it's just a very standard rom-com uh more comedy than romance uh not necessarily dating sim but 
it is the ones where you interact with girls often and depending on the choice you choose you'll end up with one of them but it is blisteringly hilarious mm. like the comedy in it is spot on it's got one of the best mcs i've seen in a visual novel a, a best faceless mc i gotta uh, say about that oh. because normally when it's a faceless mc they're a self or self-inserter of yourself so they're just kind of like potato coon <laughs> without a personality mm -hmm. but this guy is such a snarky sarcastic asshole and i love him oh my god uh and so yeah if if you want something that's just completely off the wall hilarious constantly and uh cute gr and it's got really fun male characters too which is, i okay. think is important for these rom-coms nice. is that it balances out so yeah it, it's got the best of both worlds the developer is making a new game so i'm looking forward nice. to that so yeah if you want something uh to cleanse your palate, that's up for that. On the subject of faceless uh, VN protags, though, I kind of just remembered that uh, Tomoya and Clanad doesn't really have a face in the VN. I, I, he shows up in a few CGs, doesn't no. he? No, it's either like so, yeah, either I've like never played the entire of the Clanad like VN. He's so. like out of frame, but he has a very distinct personality. Okay. Well, at least he has a body, yeah. <laughs> whereas in Fooderdabba, this guy doesn't have a body. Oh, it's just all the girls, and you're just playing yeah. the voice. Yeah. All right. Well. Actually, I think maybe you see his hand at one point. Oh, nice. A hand. A whole hand. <laughs> yes. yes, indeed. Very distinct. All righty. With that, though, you ready to jump into some news? Mm -hmm. All righty. So, you, those who know me may know that I am a pretty big Vocaloid fan. I've been into it for maybe like eight years. And I, admittedly, I've cooled off on it since I graduated college, but I still follow the scene and I uh, come up with some, uh, I see the new songs that come out every now and then. But I also make it a point to go to Miko Expo every year, which is the biannual uh, vo Vocaloid concert with holograms and a live band. And it's really cool. But now she's expanding her reach a little bit to something a bit more mainstream to the Coachella Valley Music and Arts Festival of 2020, which is pretty mind-blowing considering how big Coachella is. And Kyle, you were the one that brought this to my attention originally. Yeah. Had, had, it's, had you ever been to Coachella I, I before? I haven't, but I'm very like aware of what Coachella is and what the scene is like. And that's mm -hmm. why like when I saw this headline, like I, I, I had to message Matt immediately. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, just because it's such... So for people that might not be aware of what Coachella is, it is one of, if not the biggest, mainstream, modern mainstream music festivals in the U.S. So it will feature acts like uh, Rage Against the Machine, Kanye, Lizzo, and stuff that's like... Artists that reach like millions, if not hundreds of millions of views and listens like every year. Uh, so it has very mainstream artists like that, which is why it's very weird to see a uh, Vocaloid, it, like a 2D anime girl, in a lineup of like other artists that I, if I were to use a word, is uh, that that are more normal. <laughs> <laughs> that are real. Yes, that are real. So and the 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 crazy thing about this too is again for these Miku and Vocaloid concerts they are holograms which means special equipment there's like a special screen a special projector and all that and I imagine that takes a lot of setup mm -hmm. and normally these are dedicated concerts for that whereas in Coachella it's a bunch of different bands and groups 
like rotating on a stage mm-hmm. and so i i wonder how the setup so is going to i work think on that. it yeah. will so it at least makes a little sense and the way i would uh talk to people about what the hell miku is so i'm actually doing the funny thing on a side note is i'm doing a presentation at work about what hatsune miku is <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be a fun presentation. yeah so th- the way i thought about it and the way i think the best way to frame it is to say that she is to j-pop what the gorillas are to like indie pop hip-hop rap music here in the u.s alternative stuff like that yeah and gorillas has a lot of anime music yeah 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 exactly exactly so it's like it's this fictional band these fictional musicians that have performed live on stage um, so the way that they do that, which is why I think Miku will work for this kind of setup is I'm pretty sure gorillas have performed at Coachella before, so they would probably do a similar setup, but I don't know how, 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 how do you, yeah, how, how, how are gorillas is live performances were they screens that showed their videos on or did they have like people representing the members? So, no, no, no. They had or... like projections of the, uh, of the members of the band on stage. I see. Okay. Um, so yeah, that is. Somewhere. And then like hiding in the dark was like Damon Albarn and his band, like actually playing the music, but it was as if, you know, the gorillas were there on stage. Okay. Yeah. So in that case, there is somewhat of a pre- precedent for it. I'm also interested if it's just Miku or if it's any of the other vocaloids. I, I swear to God, if they bring out like the entire Miku. fucking crew, that's going to be like <laughs> insane. Like just just Miku alone there is already wild. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's and not, it's not just Miku also, but Kiaru Pamu Pamu is going to be there as well, who is basically Japanese Lady Gaga. She is enormous. She's made. Oh God, what's the name? I say she's really famous, then I can't remember the name of her famous song. <laughs> but like her her lyrics are absolutely infectious. She's really well known for like her really flamboyant outfit designs, very mm-hmm. similar to Lady Gaga herself. And so she's also going to be making an appearance at Coachella. Oh my god. And so yeah, it's it's just we're seeing the the poppiest of pop J-pop starting to make its way into this mu- this international So I was thinking about this festival. and you just know that there have to be like at least a few weebs on the planning committee for Coachella. For this to happen, yeah. For this to happen, to yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah, this interesting. So she is going to be there on April tenth and seventeenth. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, the April tenth tickets are sold out at this point of time. The April seventeenth tickets will be going on sale January sixth, which might be tonight, possibly for those listening. Mm-hmm. It is tomorrow for us now that we're recording, but this will most likely go up tomorrow. And so, if you want to go see Miku in California on April 17th, then you better get on those tickets. Conversely, though, Miku Expo is happening this year as well. Uh, You can look that up on their website. It's happening in Boston, New York, uh, somewhere in L.A., and a handful of other venues as well. In Canada. It's, It's a worldwide tour, but I can't remember, like... There, there's a lot of locations in the U.S. Yeah. So yeah, if you're interested in seeing what the deal is with one of these hologram concerts, then you can that check that out. That would also probably are... be far cheaper than going to Coachella, which will run you at least $1,000. Yep. It's not a cheap thing because you got all these really, really big name bands that would normally be hundreds of dollars for a single concert mm-hmm. ticket. <laughs> so it's it's pretty crazy. But yeah, yeah, it's just, just, another, just another notch in the belt for... 
animu culture and pop culture to take over the u.s exactly i it just pleases me when i'm just waiting for the moment when miku or vocaloid just pops up in regular conversation without me prompting it <laughs> someone that i don't yeah I, I was reading about like this miku thing or vocaloid or like hologram well, like <laughs> let me tell you about that yeah exactly it, it's like when i was home uh for christmas mm-hmm. and my mom was talking about the fucking witcher netflix series oh my god i'm like excuse me oh <laughs> which she had no idea what the witcher games were books for and so mm-hmm. it's just th- this twilight zone-esque moment whenever that yeah, happens so, yeah, well, i'm looking forward to it's that always more. weird because you ha- so we're starting to have more like widespread appeal with media that was previously like own not i don't want to say only for like geeks or nerds but that was like the primary demographic so something like game of thrones definitely opened up the way for the witcher to become popular or accepted so yeah it's just Mm -hmm. i i i do enjoy seeing stuff that i always felt a slight bit of shame and liking now being enjoyed by people in public Mm -hmm. exactly we're still not there yet where i can watch stuff like magical senpai out in public and talk about it out in public unfortunately yeah give it another 10 years possibly another 10 years we'll see we'll yes see. exactly but in terms of the last 10 years crunchyroll has released a few demographics on the most watched shows of the decade by region mm-hmm. which is very interesting including the region of antarctica oh because apparently there are a lot of there are some Was people Sorry, maybe some penguins no, it is not oh my story. God, why not? All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, so we'll start with the obvious one. So in North America, what do you th- keep in mind? This is for the decade. For the decade. What do you think was the most watched gonna, show? Not popular or best. I'm going to say it's uh, probably One Piece. I'm going to say it's One Piece. No, it's not One Piece. Not on the list. Or oh, actually, it is on the list. Okay, Never but mind. It's not but One Piece. yeah, it's most not watched. Um, so my, my criteria for thinking about this, right, is like it. The, the the most likely candidate candidate would be something that's been like shown across you're already overthinking I, this. am i already overthinking is it attack yes. on titan hero academia no what no wow sailor Holy Mo- crap kyle what, what is it <laughs> fucking believe in yourself believe it come Are on fucking real would it be anything but naruto shippuden would it be anything Dude, I, like, don't but naruto keep up with naruto at all <laughs> Like, when did the series end? When did... But fucking... Whatever. All right, it's Naruto. Next country. (laughs) Next country. Okay. In uh, South America. Dragon Ball. Some kind of Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball Super. You're on the mark on that. Yes. Now, this one is the plot twist. So, for Europe. Um... Uh, It kind of lines up with what Harry's told us recently, though. One Piece? Would, I, don't, I don't remember nope. what they... What, what is it? Black Clover. What? Did he say something yeah. about Black Clover in Europe? <laughs> well, yeah, he was talking about how he started watching it, and he's enjoying it now. Like, he's all caught up in the anime after it got past the bad bits. But yeah, he's enjoying it now. And I guess that's indicative of Europe as a whole. Yes. Specifically, though, and in the UK, it's My Hero Academia, but Europe as a whole That's weird. Black Clover. That's weird. Yeah, not what I expected. I don't know what's going there, on there. Be, honestly, like, there's got to be something with how, like, series got released there. Because I doubt that that's Europeans true, yeah. would that's just, true. like, latch onto Black Clover out of nowhere. But again, I doubt, like, 
well naruto shippuden is on here too and so that's well yeah, what what happened with black if, clover that limited, yeah put it above I, I would say that maybe they didn't have like maybe shippuden started airing there but maybe they didn't get the original series so which kind of requires you to watch that before you go into shippuden so i don't know maybe yeah. I, I feel like it's some it, it has to be something to do with the distribution but then for the middle east we have at the top naruto shippuden oh my God. <laughs> all right fucking and then for africa we have black clover these don't make any fucking sense next topic <laughs> and no and then this far i don't understand either because i don't think crunchyroll has well i guess it's excluding japan but for asia it has an asia one but it is naruto shippuden again what's wrong with the no there is a japan one what i don't because crunchyroll is not available in japan hmm Okay, I don't understand. What's Whatever. wrong with people? And then finally, finally for Antarctica, what is the most watched anime? Naruto Shippuden. For all of ten people, probably. Nope, not Naruto. Uh, what is it? Hunter x Hunter, actually. Fucking shonens. All right. Uh, would it be anything but shonens? I mean, shonens? it's not. No, it wouldn't. This is the most watched, not the most popular I, I or most the best. I understand. Yeah. Well, yep. that was a. And also, uh, hmm. Black Clover is top in Russia. Would would you look at that? I I don't know what to do with this information now. <laughs> I don't I don't under I'm surprised by how popular Black Clover is because I feel like I never see people talking about it anymore. Like on the web or anything. Well, we're only seeing English speaking sites. So maybe in That's Russia That's fair, but Europe is largely Europe Europe is also largely English speaking. Maybe. I don't get it. Anyways, next topic as you said. <laughs> will be so i was really hoping that we'd have the uh, candidates for crunch rolls anime of the year awards uh, yeah, that's coming by out now in a couple weeks I like, think. yeah exactly we do not have those yet but instead we have the popularity votes for funimation and so we have the shonen series of the decade pretty obvious what do you think Hero it is academia ding ding yeah. favorite shoujo series of the decade oh favorite shoujo uh, a sailor moon uh good guess but no i'm not even sure yeah i guess that's shoujo fruits basket it is Fruits uh, Basket, yeah. which pleases me. Best sports series IQ. of the decade. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. All right, you're a two for three so far. Favorite sci-fi? Sci-fi? Uh, sci-fi slash fantasy. Oh, slash fantasy. Oh, God, that makes it harder. Um, I'm, I'm honestly going to go with either... <sighs> Does that include... Is- so I, I probably say like Sword Art, maybe Attack on Isekai Titan. Isekai is a separate oh, category, it's its own so thing. not including Isekai. I'm going to say maybe Attack on Titan. Or Goblin Slayer. Not Attack on Titan. Not Goblin Slayer. Know, what is it? It is a sci-fi show. It's a it is sci-fi not a fantasy show. show. But we're, yeah. I can't even think of sci-fi anime. Like a Gundam? We fucking talked about it this episode, what, Kyle. Like, like we just talked about it? Like five yes. minutes ago? Maybe like ten minutes uh, ago. Yes. My memory doesn't last that long. What is it? <laughs> Steins Gate. Oh my god. Yeah, I guess my that's... My word, that, Kyle. That is sci-fi, yeah. I always my for, word. I always forget that it's sci-fi. It's very good sci-fi. Anyways, yeah. That, I guess so, yeah, because it is very much, like, grounded in our world. And it's not, like, a whole bunch of weird doodads but that's, going on. There's some weird doodads, but it's not, like, permeating throughout the whole series. It isn't, but the whole idea behind... Like, yeah. like I mentioned in my capsule, is, like, Steinsgate has, like, one of the, like, tightest depictions of time travel. Uh, yeah, and it's exactly. very well like, explained. They keep it... 
they keep it so simple to where there are very few logic holes in it, which I very much yeah. appreciate. And it does play around with like the implications. So, like proper science fiction is about the implications of like new or theoretical technology. Exactly. So, yeah. And it does it does that well. Anyways, okay, cool. I'm mm-hmm. I'm happy with that. All right. Yep. Best Isekai, isekai. series. It's probably gonna be Sword Art. It is not Sword Thank Art. Thank God. Um, <laughs> Konosuba. It oh, is Konosuba. Fucking. Yeah, I'm already liking these Funimation Awards more than Crunchyrolls. Because these actually <laughs> make sense. Well, like, well, the Crunchyroll ones weren't awards. Those were just demographics for most watch. These no, I'm saying, for, I'm, I'm saying for like uh, when they do the Crunchyroll Awards. Oh, I yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah, those are going to be fun. Mm. Okay. Uh, best Romance Series. Best Romance. This, this one I can't really get behind. My Love Story? Nope. Uh, can't get behind. This This one's... This one's tricky. I'm it? not sure what if you get it or not. You're lying, April. I really don't like that show. <laughs> I really don't like it. I was, I, I. It was okay for me, but I had, I had a lot of problems with it, especially mm-hmm. towards the second. Yeah, half. yeah, 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 yeah. So my problem with Your Lie in April is a lot of the same problems I have with most of Mari Okada's work, which is that it's a little too melodramatic and it feels like they're trying to force you to feel something yeah exactly and the rate i want to call the main character ray because i i have march comes to like a lion on the mm-hmm. head but it's not ray i forget the main character's name but he his character development is unnatural like the the ways he mm-hmm, develops mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't yeah. it doesn't make sense in my mind the ways that push him and the way that sets him back and in a way yes that's someone that's insecure with themselves but at the same time uh, it's the job of a story to get you to understand how the character is feeling and uh, going through. And I don't think it really did a good yeah, job of that. Your Lion April did a lot of showing, not telling. The only thing I would say is that I I liked Kauri as a character. I didn't, I, I thought the story like was very unfair to her, but I think that's, the, that, I mean, that's the point. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I, I don't agree with that either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At the same time, I'm not sure... I don't know There's off the top. Oh, actually, White Album, White Album Two. That's my favorite. No, I'm still watching that. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, it's very good. I was surprised it made it our decade list, and I was very pleased mm-hmm. with that. Um, so next, uh, best animation. Best animation. Uh, God, what had like the most Sakuga? Uh, maybe <laughs> One Punch or Mob. Nope. Oh, God, is it a Yuasa thing? Nope. Mm, what is it? Demon Slayer. Oh. Kimetsu no Yaiba. Which I can agree with that. To I, some I can extent. get behind that. Like on a pure raw technical objective scale, I could get behind that. There's definitely more interesting animation out there, but in terms of like, if you mm. were to break down the criteria of what makes for objectively good animation, I think Kimetsu no Yaiba pretty much ticks those I boxes. I think where I would give it to Demon Slayer is that it's probably the best marriage of 2D and 3D techniques in animation. Yes. yes. And as I far as like that. moving forward and showing what's possible to make 2D look even better, Demon Slayer is probably the best example to use. Mm-hmm. So I agree with that, yeah. It, for, so in I, that I context, think, I think I can give it to that. Yeah, like the best use of CG, or one of the best uses of CG is doing something that would be either impossible or extraordinarily difficult to do in traditional 2D animation. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely what Kimetsu no Yaiba mm-hmm. does. 
All right, moving on. Uh, best original series of the decade. Original series, so like anime only. Uh, yes. Little Witch, Academia. Nope. Mm. It is a trigger show. Trigger, kill a kill. Absolutely. Right, there yep. we go. Yeah, that was yeah, not hard. So, so that's the other thing that, like, as I watched more anime, it's I don't. It doesn't surprise me, but it's always. It always stands out to me when like, I find out something's an anime only. Because it's like, oh, that's like mm-hmm. maybe one out of every 20 shows. Right. And it, I feel like it, the vast majority of anime originals are usually they're, really they're, good. Yeah, usually pretty yeah. good. The only flop I can think of recently, I think, is PA Works' recent uh, Fairy Gone is an anime original. And it is a snooze fest. Like, it's it's a, been a while since I've dropped a show just because it is just boring. so boring. And, and not just bad, it's just boring. Yeah. Young. Which is, I yeah, really but like yeah, so. this, these character designs. Yeah, but oh man, it's it's just no, not fun just to no watch bueno. in the slightest. Not yeah, not it's not bad. It's not good. It's just absolutely mediocre. For me personally, I would of course give it to uh, Place Further Than the Universe. Oh right, uh, that is anime. Because, only. Yeah, that is original. Or run run up for me would be Kyoso Giga. Mm. Uh, but it, it makes sense to me why Kill a Kill would be mm-hmm. would be at the top of this. It's just it was a phenomenon. It's still a phenomenon. And especially if we're talking about it's, in terms of popularity, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And then another easy one, best anime film of the decade. Oh, your name. Like, I didn't even Absolutely. need to think about that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, yeah, there are the popular votes for uh, You know Funimation. what? Good, good job, Funimation. Good job. You beat Crunchyroll, <laughs> which admittedly wasn't a very high bar to surpass. Well, Funimation didn't even do anything in this case. It was just a sheer popularity vote. <laughs> uh, well, okay, so was it like write-in entries or did they give options, though? Um... Top series, various genres. I don't know how this worked, actually, because I didn't look at it. So, yeah, I don't know for right. sure. Well, at any rate, I like that more than the Crunchyroll Awards. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can't wait to talk about the oh, Crunchyroll Awards. I want to see those. Best... I want to see those. It, it, it's over here, right? Like, what? All right, so yeah. I'm trying to think of, like, any... What, what were 2019's waifus? Uh... What's her name? Rika Takahashi from SSSS Gridman. All right. That's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Alrighty, next topic. So I think it's no secret how bad, for lack of a better word, is the wages are in the animation industry in Japan. And so we have a new report that's come out from the Japan Animation Creators Association that highlights that once again. And so this is a, a report that was conducted for the year of 2019. And they're reporting that the average yearly income across the industry is 4,410,000 yen, which translates to about 40,000 US dollars. Meanwhile, the average income for, excuse me, in between animators and uh, second key animators is a mere 1,250,000 yen, which is about $11,400 US dollars a That's year. awful. Meanwhile, the average work... They work an average of 9.66 hours per day and take an average of 5.4 days off per month, which that part, do they mean like, I th- does that include the weekends or is like, like taking time <laughs> off because five days of PTO like, a month is a bit much. So they probably right. mean so, weekends. Right. Which is in. So let's, let me pull up a calendar right now. So we have one, two, three, four. We have four weekends. So that's eight weekends, 
weekend days in total that a normal uh, Monday to Friday job would get. And so they're getting almost half of that. And meanwhile, they're working almost 10 hours a day. That's that. That's I think what gets me about that is like, even if you're like the most entry level animator or storyboard artist, that requires a lot of technical skill and talent. Yes. And you're Absolutely. being paid like less than what I assume is minimum wage. Yeah. So I did some digging on this. And so the minimum wage in Japan currently mm-hmm. is 874 yen per okay. hour. Uh, when I converted that over like to dollars, bucks. that's about eight eight twenty yeah. an hour. And then when I converted that to an annual wage, that is twenty four thousand dollars. Are you fucking kidding me? They're making half. So they are making less than half what? of the minimum wage. Where is that money going to? That the anime industry generates. So, the the anime industry because there are so many factors to where they get their funding and the various licensors and where the money goes uh-huh. to. It gets so spread thin across all the various things. I read, I wish I had the article still, but really? I read how Makoto Shinkai on his Your Name film didn't make a whole lot himself off that film, despite the millions of box office revenue. It so made. it's not even and like so anybody's like really hoarding it as far as we know. Right. It's just all the, the various fuck? sources of investors and then the licensors and just, yeah. Oh my God. I, I don't know. I don't understand what makes that different compared to like western tv shows and movies like why that why we see people pay well then again i don't know for sure i don't know anything about that but it seems like to me i never hear about underpaid situations in the film industry or things like that well it definitely whereas happens. in anime it it's very well documented industry, but i'm trying to think of like right so in the american cartoon industry it feels like if you're an animator at like cartoon network or nickelodeon like you make okay money and you're mm-hmm. able, like you're able to live in LA, um, which without having another part-time yeah, job, which these people which absolutely like, need to have like, a second job. Wh- wh- what? Yeah, and also just so the series directors and animation directors, their average wage is about seventy-one thousand dollars per year. That's like and then that that makes sense, right? Because they're like running yeah. the show. But I would figure like in equivalent position, I think in the U.S. would be some at. L- at most, like somewhere in the six digits, like breaking a hundred k. Right, but that's just crazy. But meanwhile, I just don't, I can't wrap my head around how these people are being paid below half minimum wage. Yeah, and just how do you fix that? Obviously, the answer is we'll pour more money into so, it, and we're starting so, to see that a little bit with Netflix and Amazon right. coming to play. But though, I mean, what are you gonna the, say? The way. The way Trigger did it makes a little more sense now, which is they have a Patreon. And I know mm-hmm. people, I, I know that the initial reaction to that was very cynical and very like critical of it. But knowing more about the wage situation in the anime industry, it makes more sense why they mm-hmm. would do that. Because they literally like need money from anywhere they can get it. Have have you looked at the Trigger Patreon? I haven't recently? looked at it recently. recently because I know like when it first came out, the big and my big point against it was that it never mentioned how the wages were going or not the wages, the funds were going to pay yeah, wages. Yeah, yeah. They said they were going towards merchandising and other new products. I'm like, but that's not where I want the money. Well, I give uh, okay, you to go, so, so to be fair yeah. though, like if we're talking about how like anime revenue gets spread so thin. Uh, because they're like paying off a lot of things that might indirect that, that would indirectly still increase wages because they're paying off like 
merchandising licensing fees and stuff like that. That's possible, so, yeah. I wish they would have explained yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, maybe, but I think that's the other part of it, too, is, like, there is that cultural disconnect because I don't think a lot of people do know that the wage situation is that bad. So they immediately mm-hmm. see, like, oh, what the fuck is this? Trigger needs money, but they're so successful. They are. They must be making a lot of money. Ergo, they don't need this Patreon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's weird. Right. It's and we see... Situation. Yeah. And we see a similar problem in the video game industry, too, when it comes to crunch Ugh, time. Yeah. And, yeah, At least and in that the case, wages there aren't mm, the greatest. They're not the greatest, but it's not... It's they're not, not the like greatest, but yeah, it's not as bad as here. Yeah. wage bad. Right, yeah, yeah. Which is like, yeah. God, that's... Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where, where was this? Uh, How do you even take a second job yeah. with that much like time that you're spending? I know, that's why I don't get either, because you're already spending 10 hours a day working on this supposedly like most of the weekends as well like where do you find time to to another so what i'm so it's just we we were talking about like how do you fix this right well how did keo Mm -hmm. annie do it because from we don't know exactly how they did right is like they like treated all of their employees fairly well they paid them a living wage and they gave them like like time off but they're like also one of the most popular studios so i yeah i don't know how they like balance that Right, that would be interesting to look into because, yeah, we both know that they do do that, but we don't know how yeah. they do that. Yeah, so it's not impossible. It's it's just yeah, it's not impossible. It is very when you see that how just how below minimal wages, it's absolutely eye opening. Just mm-hmm. how because again, like we knew it was bad, but I don't think we realized it was that yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving right along, we have an update on something we talked about many many episodes mm-hmm. ago probably like six or so space months gundam? later so we talk no <laughs> unfortunately not space gundam this is much 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 smaller scale than that but uh a while back we talked about how uh, mangaka miki yoshikawa was basically putting out three different one shots in the weekly shonen magazine and having her oh, fans right. vote after yeah. reading those one shots which series would get a full serialization so that now has been completed and so the series that won is Kako no Inazuke, which means uh, Kako's fiance. And so that's going to be again serialization on January 29th. And I'm very excited for that because I loved uh, Yamada Kun and the Seven Witches. I thought it was a hilarious rom com, gender bended, gender bender uh, series. And mm-hmm. so I'm really looking forward to seeing what she does next. The thing, the thing I really appreciate about uh, Yoshikawa Sensei is how she. She removes a lot of the unnecessary romantic tension in her romance. She tends to get to the point much mm-hmm. faster than in general other general shows, and that tends to make it a lot more interesting. Uh, and we're seeing that a lot more in anime in general, I feel like, with things like uh, Binary Girl Senpai as mm-hmm. well. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what she does with this new one. I have no idea what it's about. There's no description here, but yeah, we'll Neat. see how that goes soon. But related to the manga industry is a... Uh, not Well, yeah, the industry is a very well-known big-name site called Mangadex was recently went down for uh, 24, 72 hours-ish. And there wasn't a reason, an official reason given for that at the time, but there was a, uh, a lot of signs pointing towards the fact that they probably, or not they, but their uh, source or their, uh, what's it Host? called? on the internet server host yeah their host yeah their host server received a subpoena from viz media 
to be taken down for copyright mm-hmm. infringement. And so, of course, this is very big considering how big MangaDex is, especially after we talked about in a previous episode, Manga Rock is now shutting down and going official in their regard as well. Uh, as of the time of this recording, MangaDex is now back up and running in an unofficial capacity on a different domain. They say they will be getting back their .org domain momentarily, but they also admit that in this post that they had to do this due to legal pressure, but they don't specify exactly why. So I think from that alone, we can infer that the rumors about the subpoena were probably true. And so this begs an interesting question. So over the years for the anime industry, we've seen the rise of subscription-based streaming services. And for the most part, that has done well for the anime industry. It's been a way to directly support the creators and they fill out their catalogs well. The big... The one big negative is in that that's so fractured. Yep, there's a bunch of different services to subscribe. But is it quite so simple for the manga industry? Is it as simple as can we make all these different subscription-based services and provide for all the demand of manga? Kyle. So I have very strong feelings <laughs> about manga decks being shut down primarily because you cannot approach it the same way you do with anime purely for the simple reason that there is far more manga than there is anime. And you will have, you know, your flagship series like Hero Academia, Attack on Titan, all of the big hitters. But the thing about manga decks is that while they also... So there are two things about manga decks that I like more, how it does more than other sites. The first is that while they do have scans for... um, popular series as soon as they are licensed they take them off and they provide Mm -hmm. links to support the official release they only host um chapters that are like publicly available and those go out on a rotating basis uh so they're they've pretty much been like above water and all that the second part to manga decks is that it's a fantastic aggregation site for smaller series uh so for something like pseudo harem uh where the author releases on twitter and they don't have like an official publication, there is just one dude who's been translating and putting them, putting those chapters on manga decks, which has been the most convenient way for non-Japanese speakers to keep up with the series. And if like I companies just need to learn how to work with this kind of service and allow some flexibility because like it's just it, it offers accessibility at like little honestly like not much cost to the publisher because mangadex does play friendly and play nice they don't just rip scans of popular series and upload it there that's why like what was it the other the other week i think jamini's box which has been the primary localizer or scan leaders for hero academia uh they got a cease and desist from viz yeah from viz uh, and they don't scan Hero Academia anymore. Uh, you can get it off Viz's website. It's like two bucks a month, and that's fine. That's a good way to support the manga, and I am okay with that because it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to clarify, it looks like the reason for this takedown was because someone either accidentally or purposefully uploaded a licensed chapter of Boruto. Ugh, yeah. Yeah, and so at that point... Y- y- you can't blame them being targeted, but I can't blame it, it them definitely being targeted. Overreaction. Yeah. It, it 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 seemed it seemed like the legal 
bodies were looking for any right. excuse whatsoever yeah, yeah. to which, go after to them, fair, and that was an excuse. Um, they needed, yeah, which they were in their right to do. To, to be yes. fair, the scan, the whole scanlation scene for the past like twenty years has been one of piracy. <laughs> And Mangadex mm-hmm. is really the only one of the only sites in recent years that has like strived to play nice but also provide an accessible means that was as good as old sites like Bato Dato. Mm-hmm. So And to give the listener an idea of just the sheer volume of manga series that are out there, I tried to find a number of like this past year, uh, this past decade. I couldn't, but <laughs> what I do know is so when we were creating the best anime of the decade list for our site, I went and again tried to find a number of the amount of anime series that have come out in the decade. I couldn't find that, but I did go through every single Wikipedia entry for anime throughout the years and tallied all those up. And I got a number for anime of more than 1500 Good series of anime in a decade. Yeah, so probably triple now, that that's to, just, to be conservative. Yeah. Exactly, to be conservative. So we're thinking at least 7,500 unique manga series that come out over the decade. And we've, even currently, we're hardly scratching the surface on that. If that were to, if we were to go down the route of full licensing without any sort of uh, fan-made, uh, fan-driven translations whatsoever... That would be such a tiny little fraction of that mm-hmm. number. It would not even right, close. right, and that's the service that Mangadex offers. They offer a way for like fan translations to be hosted. Like again, I'm going to point to Pseudoharem because like that has not been licensed or published yet, and the translator has a working relationship with the author and has their blessing to release it publicly in English translations. So it's like. Which is great, yeah. yeah, but by targeting Mangadex just because some jackass or some somebody unknowingly uploaded, you know, a licensed chapter of manga, that's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's just way overkill. <laughs> yeah. And this is also you can draw parallels to this to when uh Emu Paradise was shut down oh recently God, too yeah. for the video game industry where for those who aren't familiar, Emu Paradise was it, it was basically a piracy site, it, yes. It, it, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. It, it hosted a whole bunch of ISO, .iso files that you can basically download games, and then if you hacked your consoles or had some sort of firmware, you can play them free of charge. And, of course, that's bad. Don't do that. The 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 flip side to Emu Paradise, though, was that it was kind of an archive or library mm-hmm. of sorts for very obscure, very old games that you literally could not find any other way today and by shutting down all those archives are just gone now and there's no way to access them and so that's that was the main people are okay with preserving the industry but now that you are preserving the integrity of the industry but now you haven't preserved the history of the Mm -hmm. industry and that's the big fear is that when we go down the licensing route of these subscription services they are a business their job is to make money they don't make money (laughs) By trans putting in resources, time, and effort to translate really obscure old series that hardly anyone is going to consume. They get money by only uh, translating the ones they know mm-hmm. will bring in mm-hmm. revenue. And so all of those could potentially be lost to history or at least be lost to an English-speaking audience outside Japan. And that is the biggest fear, I think, with 
all of these sites getting taken down or being heavily pressured to be taken down. Like I am very surprised by how calmly it seems like MangaDex seems to be handling mm-hmm. this because I, I th- lawyers can be scary. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> at, at least like what, what I would hope is happening is that they've seen what's happened to other sites and they know how to run their site so that like even if they do get taken to court they can like hopefully navigate it um because again like i said like a lot of what mangadax's practices were were pretty like on the up and up so they i'm, I'm hoping that they come out of this okay and i think right come yeah. out of it okay. I, I hope so too yeah because it's very difficult to f- i don't think there's any side quite like mangadex for sure yeah all the rest are I, just like aggregators that rip from other sites um regardless mm-hmm. of licensing Right, they just see, oh, there's a chapter up, just joint that, and we're like, wait, but no, don't yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, another thing to see for the next 10 Oof. years. I don't know. Yeah, this this is very tricky. It's definitely not nearly as simple as it was mm-hmm. for anime. Alrighty, uh, that's about all we have for news. The last thing we have is a quick highest 10 grossing domestic films in Japan for 2019. What's at the top, Kyle? Uh, weathering with you. There you uh, go. What's number two? Uh, what? Primari? <laughs> nope. Uh, Not even out of the top ten, actually. came out Frozen 2? Nope. Uh, this is anime, anime film still. Frozen's an anime. I don't know. Um, I don't know. The Dragon Quest. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what other... Detective Conan. Oh, the Fist Jesus. of Blue Sapphire. <laughs> and just for fun, what was the uh, number one highest grossing foreign, foreign film in Frozen Japan? Two. Uh, no, uh, not on the list. Uh, what was the popular end game? I don't know nope. what, what's popular in Japan. What what what, what was it? Aladdin. Uh, what? What? The live action? <laughs> yep. But why? Just was. Uh, it made twelve point twelve point sixteen billion yen, whereas Weathering with You made fourteen point zero two billion yen. What the fuck's wrong with Japan? <laughs> <laughs> and just also a little bit so weathering with you made 14 billion yen and then in second place with detective conan it was 9 million yen so it made five uh, nine billion yen so it made five billion more yen than the runner-ups again showing how explosive it was i'm excited that's coming out here in the states in like a week and a half i am seeing it in 10 mm. days yes i i see it the day after I get back from my ski trip. Oh my trip, god, that, yeah, that's I a am. long ski trip. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be there for a week. It's nice. going to be good. But I'm going to be hardly conscious for the wedding. <laughs> what I'm really mad about also. So when I went to see... Uh, what movie was it? it was, which anime film? It was in Premiere and another film that I saw. But there was like a five-minute Weathering With You at, uh, trailer. That basically spoiled the oh, whole movie. Oh, you told movie. me about and I'm that. I'm so... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I am so angry. Why didn't you I'm just like, walk out what? when you saw it was like going past a minute? Because I, I, I didn't think of that the first time. When I when I saw it, when I start, saw it start up in the premiere theater, I, I did just get up and walk out the theater. I'm like, I'm not doing oh this God. again. Uh, because by now, I've kind of like managed to tune out a lot other than this one scene that sticks out in my head. That's probably a big spoiler. Right. Well, I know nothing yeah, about I, the I, movie, just like, so we'll yeah. see. Keep it that yeah. way. Alrighty, that wraps it up for news this week. 
on to our main topic. Again, I was really hoping that the Country Roll nominees would be up so we can talk about those. They are not yet. They will be available on the 10th. So instead, we got another topic to go off. Just a nice, fun little uh, warm-up for the coming year, and especially because it's just Kyle and I today, are is what shows that we've seen in the past surprised us in some shape or form, and or what shows do we unironically enjoy but would have a really hard time defending. <laughs> And so we can just go back and forth on this one, but I'm going to start on a nice, uh, a nice lowball one, a show called Sora no Woto, which those are split into syllables each. And Kyle, have you heard of this uh, one? Sora no Woto. I have not. Oh my God. Those are really cute girls in military uniforms. Yes, exactly. So this show came out. Hot off the heels of Kato. I was about to and say, so, <laughs> the protag just looks like yeah. Yui. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so everyone saw this and immediately thought this is just military version of Kaon because uh, the main character plays the bugle. Mm-hmm. She's like the bugle player in like her military base, basically. And so for the longest time, I didn't watch this show just because I had no interest in it. And then a couple of years back... I was bored, I was just going through Crunchyroll, and I saw it, and for whatever reason, I'm like, eh, sure, let's give it a shot. And I was very shocked by how the the kind of, the atmosphere of the world, the, the tone of the world mm-hmm. is very subdued, like, almost melancholic how it was portrayed. And what was really cool about it was that you know how, in a lot of shows, they'll have this They'll be in this, like, really grandiose fantasy setting, and then the big plot twist at the end is like, ha it was Earth all along uh, in this other huh. shape or form. Yes, and so it's almost like the reverse in this case, where you're starting on it, and you you feel like it's our society. It's You feel like it's modern-day our society in some, like, mountain European town. But then as you go on, you start to get little bits and pieces. Like you realize, oh, wait a minute. This is just like a completely different mm-hmm. world, basically, mm-hmm. with different customs and different history to it. And when you get the backstory of some of these these women, these military women and the things they went through and how they're at this, basically, this base in the middle of nowhere now, it's it gets really dark. And that caught me off right. guard. But just... I feel like there is a lot of things that they do in that series that's only possible because of their their pseudo-military standing. Mm. Because, again, they're in the military, but they're relegated to this base out in the middle of nowhere where no action happens. So they're kind of like military in name only. But, yeah, it's just... All right. It's almost, it's almost a little sad to watch as you go through, despite happy things that may be happening. There's just like this, this feeling in your gut that just permeates throughout the whole show that kind of drags you down in, in a good way and then the way it all wraps and i was also surprised in that it does have a core story in then too like it has a very clear and a beginning a beginning and an end to the story as well like there's not gonna it's be pretty self-contained nice yeah it's a nice 13 right, episode I, short I series now i really like the sound and look yeah. of it yeah nice and it's it's got good music too they managed to do some cool stuff with, with the bugle cool. All right. It is not just military chaos, though. I can assure you of that. Neat. All right. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to add that. I'm, well, first off, I really like whenever uh, like early 20th century Europe is portrayed in anime. But I also really yeah. like... I, I nominated music. it for the decade list, but no one voted for it because no one uh, watched it. Yeah. So. What, what, oh, well. what season did this come out in? Like, what year? It was like early this decade, probably like 2011, 2012, mm. I think, around there. 
because again it was oh, hot, hot off okay the so maybe on. that was why yeah. like people were like yeah whatever yeah exactly yeah i've never heard of their show cool awesome All right, well i'm gonna add that well from my end um i couldn't really think of something that surprised me at least for now but there is mm-hmm. a show that i do enjoy so i don't like completely enjoy it but i enjoy it enough to where you know i really i really like the core story and the characters mostly but fuck me i would have such a hard time defending ori emo <laughs> oh but yeah you you mentioned this a couple episodes yeah. back oh boy let's get into this so it's it's a we really have a ton tr- of it's people a really raging. trashy premise, and it gets really trashy at times, but I genuinely like the character dynamic and the char- and their personalities between the two protagonists. I, f- I think that they have an interesting like relationship development that goes over the course of the series. Um, so the- how do I even like talk about what Oriemo's about? That's that's why I have like <laughs> such a hard time defending it because I feel like punching myself as I try to explain. Oh, don't what worry, that's going to be me on my next show. <laughs> why? What's happening next show? No, uh, when I get to my next oh, your show, next now, show. We'll talk oh, about um, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like so. It it's a show about a brother and sister like coming. Like, how do I? Yes, there are heavy incest <laughs> undertones, and like, see, like I have a hard time defending it. And yeah, it, yeah, that's the beauty of this topic. It's like they used to be super close, and the show explores how they like, even like five, six years later, like they can, like they they can still be very close, and they rekindle like. They they fix their estranged relationship and become really good friends again. That's a good way of putting it. There is also the incest aspect of it, which is like, look at that however you fucking want. Like, I'll, I'll I will openly admit to it being like, oh, all right. But th- there are parts of it where it's like, oh my god, stop! Like with all the fucking fan service. Um, it it goes off on a little too far too many tangents it does that classic it's not even based on a visual novel but it does this the the dumb visual novel trope of like dedicating like three or four episodes to each girl and making it think like it's a harem when it's not really and it like the overall plot progression is kind of a mess in the show but that's why i say like i really like the core story behind it and i think they get into some really like heartfelt themes and messages about it but again a lot of people are gonna see oh my god this is a fucking weeb incest show and they're not wrong Mm -hmm. the the scene that sticks out in my mind the only one that i really remember clearly at this point is basically at the point and i don't think this is a spoiler because as soon as you see the show you know it's going to happen eventually um the point where main character i don't remember his name what's the brother's name Josuke, when Josuke basically defends Kirino uh, against their parents uh, about her hobbies and basically goes toe-to-toe with his dad. And it's the first time he's seen this confrontation happen. And it it shows that despite all the the nonsense that's happened 
throughout the show like they have been getting closer and they have been repairing the relationship and they do care about mm-hmm. each other and it, it that was a very sweet and powerful moment to me uh so <laughs> and then just yeah just the whole the whole friendship circle that kira no yeah, creates yeah, because yeah. of josuke it's very sweet to see her kind because she puts up a front that she's able to get by on her own as this lone anime fan but we know it's just like it's not that fun yeah, yeah, yeah. you want to talk to people mm-hmm. about things and so introducing her to that world it, it's it's nice to see her happy in that which regard. is why i say there are some really good ideas to it and there are some like nice story beats but it is wrapped up in a lot of in a lot of fan service which is made even mm-hmm. more apparent in the author's next series era manga sensei which i completely <laughs> hate <laughs> Anyways, yeah, not even getting anywhere yeah, close to that, that. That's my show that I have a hard time defending. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's time for mine. This is going to be a trip. So, this was a show that aired just like two or three years ago, probably. It's one of those that you see on the list as you're browsing the new, the mm. new season. You're just like, this is so ridiculous. I have to at least watch the first episode mm. of it. And that uh, that show was Keijo. Keijo, are you? F- you're maybe, not familiar with Keijo. It sounds like Keijo. Okay, oh, I so don't think I am. Oh Lord, what is this? <laughs> so yeah, here is where I have trouble. Will have trouble defending the show because the moment I describe the show, it's undefendable. So the basic premise of the oh, show: it's a sports anime. My if you, God. it's a sports anime, and so it's a fictional sport called Keijo. And it's only played by women. Oh, my And God. basically... I'm sorry, they... <laughs> I'm looking at a bunch of screenshots. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And so... <laughs> you... you, <laughs> Kyle... <laughs> yeah, I can see why you'd have so, a hard time defending this. So you play the sport in a pool on a floating platform. And the objective of the sport is to shove your opponents off this platform. The catch is that they are only allowed to use certain body parts to do so. And if uh, if only if girls can play the sport, you can guess which body parts those are. And so, yeah, it basically follows uh, this main character, Nozomi, entering this school that basically trains these athletes to participate in this sport. And so now the show is completely undefendable. But I'm going to try to anyways. So I watch this. So I watch uh, anime every Sunday night with a friend of mine. We uh, discord together and we will start the video at the same time. We'll watch together. And I watch this show together with her. She is, <laughs> she is a straight female girl. And we both had such an amazing time with this show. It is so off the wall insane, just as you expect. It's basically a shonen combat show. The way the ridiculous things they do with their body parts but at the same time like the show really puts forward this notion that these are like actual athletes that train hard like they go they have a whole training episode on the beach where some of the exercises are ridiculous but other exercises are actually like really difficult if you try to think of it that way the way um and the effort that they put into it meanwhile despite the premise i would say the character designs are actually decent they're not a whole bunch of tit monsters just flailing about like they are pretty tasteful they're not super massive either and the thing that makes the actual matches themselves not just like disgusting to watch i think is that 
there's not any disgusting squished or sloshed sound <laughs> effects like <laughs> you know exactly what yeah. i'm talking about yeah. <laughs> but like the, the the impacts that you feel like it, it sounds exactly like a shonen fighting show like it's you get the bangs and the pounds and the bams and it, it looks like it hurts a lot but at the same time you have stupid ass shit like attack on titan attack and you can't not laugh out of your ass during that it's incredible okay like the, every single episode of the show it just managed to ratchet up the ridiculousness more and more and more and my friend and i were so in for it all wrapped up is that we were very very invested in the main characters and wanting to see them to win we wanted to see them succeed we were very attached to them they weren't just like one-dimensional characters to them also the main character has a concept dialect which i love and so yeah i i just this show is so much fun to watch if you can just let go of the premise or just even give it a shot yes but i would i okay i would argue and my friend we had this exact same uh discussion both me and my friend would both argue that shokugeki is more of a fan server show than keijo is uh... because keijo it doesn't okay here's the other thing about it it doesn't draw attention to these body parts it portrays them at like any, if you were watching a boxing tournament or any other fighting show whatsoever, it shows it Another just like limb. that. It doesn't zoom in on the body parts, or it doesn't like do the slow mo or anything like that. Like it is a straight up um, fighting tournament in a way. It's just a very creative fighting tournament. Whereas Shokugeki no Soma very much draws attention to its arrow aspects, way, way, way more than Keijo does. Like Keijo definitely has that too, but. I can't believe. Okay, so I'm looking at a screenshot here, and I can't believe I found Mm -hmm. a localization that's better than the original Japanese. Oh, is it uh, vacuum? What? What is it? Uh, No, there's one here. So uh, in the original Japanese, uh, so so it's a reference to a Street Fighter move, and in the original, in in the hiragana here, it's read as uh, shoryupai, but in English, it's shoryukans. And she's doing an uppercut <laughs> with her boobs. And yeah. it's really good. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Thank you for helping me I, sell this. So, all right, yes. All right, it, I, can, I can see this. I, yes. <sighs> I hmm. promise you, you may regret it. <laughs> Or I, okay, it, so I think what I have... Okay, so for, so for my show, right, with, with or email, my pick there, I had a hard time defending it because there are parts of it that are kind of bad. But mm-hmm. is Keijo just, like, hard to convince somebody to watch? And once you do, it's fun? Or are there, like, parts of it that are like, eh, eh? Um, so, of course, there's the convincing someone to watch part. I, I will say, I wasn't, it didn't really grab me until the second episode. The first episode, I was still very hesitant. I was still very, like, I'm not sure about this. And what, what was sold me was how, uh... In the first episode, there's this one character. The way that she takes down her opponents is a very, it's very visceral and very aggressive, and it looks very painful too. And at that point, I'm like, okay, like this, there might be a little more to this. And then the second episode, but the first episode did have a little bit of that, eh, really okay. aspect to it. But then the second episode, it just like okay. runs with it. And that's also when you start meeting the other characters and how they, they take it seriously as 
if it's a normal sport. They don't take it seriously in the, like the tongue in cheek way of like a gag. It, show. It's played completely. Like, they are. They are. He- yeah, they are here to become professionals in this sport. The main character was inspired because she saw a professional uh, match and she aspires to be like the the athlete she saw in that match, basically. And so, yeah, I think the fact. You would think that for a show like this, it would have to be like a tongue-in-cheek, humorous kind of thing, but that would absolutely work against it in this way because it's just so gross otherwise. The fact that they play it so straight, I think, Helps it. actually yeah. makes it a lot better. Yeah, These are, these are fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, you I'm can see why I... You feel better about your recommendation now? <laughs> Not really. I still think I'd rather like recommend... I'd have an easier time recommending this over Aura Emo. That's fair, yeah. But now we're back to you, so can you redeem yourself oh, for Lord. this second? Uh, okay, so what, a show that surprised me? Um, let's see, I can't really... Th- or have trouble defending, either of works, yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. I can't, I honestly can't... Th- I don't know, because, like, I, I would say I'm fairly tricks when it comes to finding shows that i want to watch i don't just pick a random series and like start watching it um Mm -hmm. and if i can i think usually when i like stick with something that i know is bad it's trashy and the kind of trash that i enjoy so in that sense Mm -hmm. like i'd have a hard time recommending wadaten right Mm -hmm. it's like i i really enjoy it but i fully recognize that it's kind of a bad show it's just I like the, there's some cute girls. I have a very low bar for slice of life and comedy shows, which is as long as it's mm-hmm. got some decent gags and has some cute girls, I'll watch it and I'll enjoy it. So, yeah, I can't really think of anything that surprised me either because I. You said you had a bunch of shows in mind before we recorded. I don't think I said I had a bunch. I'm sorry. I said I had one. <laughs> well, what do you have? Okay. You've, you, you've got to have another. Okay. One. Yeah, so I have High School DxD. Oh, that's a show I've that's a have show you heard, I've heard of this one. Of. I don't think I've ever watched it. Okay, so this show is very fan servicey. There's also nudity in it. If you're watching the Raws, if you're on Crunchyroll or something, it might be mm-hmm. censored. Okay, so this this one is a much easier premise to tell at the very least because the premise itself isn't inherently trashy. So basically. Uh, the main character, Issei, he gets duped into uh, going on the date with this very pretty looking woman, basically. And at the end of this date, this woman basically reveals her- mm-hmm. herself to be a demon and she kills Issei. And Issei is then revived by the student council president of his school, who he had a crush on, by the way. And was revived as a demon of her clan now because she actually is a demon as well. And so he joins her clan. He now serves her. He's part of this whole other demon clan that also serves her. So the vice president is also a demon. Basically, the whole student council is demons. <laughs> and so then he goes on. They go on. And uh, this series starts with him kind of learning how to be a demon. So he goes to where people, quote unquote, summon demons in the like generic ways you see like in shows like a piece of paper in the middle mm-hmm. and very desperate people. And so he goes there and fulfills their wishes in a way and very comedic ways for example uh, there's a guy a very butch dude who's really into magical girl shows <laughs> and he just summoned a demon because he wanted someone else to watch magical girl shows that wouldn't judge him oh my god 
And Issei is really grossed out by it at first, but then they become really good buds and they are fun. So it starts off with that, but then you get into the whole ass, the whole. And this is the main crux of the show that really got to me is the demon society aspect of it, the the aristocratic underside of mm-hmm. uh, these creature, these beings essentially. And so, uh, in the first season, they have something called a uh, rating game, and it's basically a uh, a tactical tournament where you're trying to capture the leader of the opposing clan, and each uh, each member of the clan represents a chess piece, and and each chess piece has their own powers. For example, the uh, rook has a lot of physical strength and endurance. They're very strong. They're very sturdy. The knight is very fast. Hmm. Uh, the bi- the bishop is kind of like a healer, and then the queen is, of course, a really strong one. They are very excel and powerful magic, and the king is the one you have to capture in the end. And meanwhile, the pawn, which Issei is, uh, he can. If he gets far enough into enemy territory or gets into, like, a very dire strait, he can promote himself to any of the other pieces he wants, just like mm. in real chess okay. as well. But as upon himself, he doesn't have that many powers. And so once it got to that part, I was very impressed by the the strategy that went behind this. It was very well thought out and how... Uh, re- this demon clan, Issei's demon clan, went about attacking the uh, other team despite being overwhelmed. Uh, how they thought about where to ambush, and how Issei himself like overcome the weaknesses within himself. All wrapped up, there is a very, very strong. You can feel Issei's passion for wanting to protect the main uh, girl. Her name is uh, Rias, Rias Grimmery, and there is a very good romance there. However, <laughs> however, okay. So up yes. to this point, it sounds like a, oh, okay, it's a fairly fleshed out world. They have some fun with like the mechanics here, and it sounds yeah. like a good show. But so, yes, this is absolutely oh a harem God. show. Uh, Issei, de- like, so basically, the way Issei comes to terms with mm-hmm. becoming a demon is that Rhea says, like, well, if you work your way up the demon society, you can have your own harem because high ranking demons can do that. And he's like, fuck yeah, let's do it. And he ends up getting a harem anyways, just because by nature of being a harem protagonist. Uh, and there's that. So if you don't like harems, okay. So at least but in that regard, I, will... I at least appreciate he's very candid and gung ho about it. Yeah, and everyone knows about that too. He's like, it's no secret. Uh, the way I defend that though is, I think what makes, if you can call any ser- harem series a good harem, is that. All the girls involved in it are equally interesting. And so with Rias having the clear advantage still, but it's not like overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And so you don't, it's not like you're in pain by him not going with a single girl. It's you're still having fun with seeing him interact in these ridiculous ways with them and the way, the various ways they fall in love with him. Uh, the other really glaring point against this show is, again, like I said before, there's a lot of nudity in it. There are a lot of t- clothes being shredded off, a lot of boobs, a oh lot of God. ass, a lot of sloshing oh and squishing. Um, it definitely can get excessive sometimes. And there is no defending that because there is no point to it besides fan service. Um, but, yeah, there's that Issei gets really really cool powers uh as he moves along his the basic power he has essentially is that he can over time he can double his current strength but because he's so weak 
like doubling his current strength doesn't do anything. So he has to take a long time to actually get to a point that's useful. Mm -hmm. And the way he uh, utilizes that in various different ways is very interesting. And then that power evolves in different ways too. He meets a rival. Uh, Also, again, important part for these kinds of stories that there are strong male characters as well. There is the the knight character in this uh, clan, Kiba. He is such a bro with Issei. And, but he's a bro, but he's not a pervert. So he's a nice foil mm-hmm. to Issei. He's like the pretty boy that all the girls mm-hmm. like. But they still get along really well together, which is really nice to see. It's a nice little break from the harem fan service antics involved. And so there's a nice balance involved there. Uh, what else can I say about this show? Um, I mean, it just sounds like a fairly yeah. standard... Well, not standard, but... I mean, if you like harem shows, or at least can tolerate them, it sounds like you can have an easy enough time to get into this yeah and i think like in a vacuum the demon society stuff and the rating games and the stakes involved too because the stakes do get really high i think it's it is above average of what you found you'd find in a show of its kind Mm -hmm. before because i definitely very much got invested with the characters and the story especially with isei and rias at points uh there are very some very shocking scenes that happen in the first like four episodes of the series that caught me off guard as well and i think that's one of the reasons i stuck with it and so at at its core it's very good it's just that of course there are some glaring aspects to it that are impossible but does it juggle those two elements like okay enough i i think so for Mm -hmm. sure yeah and like like you mentioned before the fact that isei embraces his perviness Mm -hmm, and everyone mm -hmm. is aware of it and just kind of like blows it off as a joke most of the time it, it helps. And, of course, there's the fact that he's a standard protagonist with a golden heart, so he would never actually do something that the girls wouldn't want themselves. Otherwise, mm-hmm. that would be really bad. Um, so that that works for him as opposed to... Because normally you want an aggressive protagonist, but not necessarily mm-hmm. in this case. So, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. And, yeah, again, I can't give it a blanket recommendation. You know what you're getting into, it, and if you do, yeah, you'll enjoy it. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah, and I also have to recommend the dub. Because okay. the way they localize some of these jokes is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And what makes it even better is that the voice actress for Rias, the main girl, is the lead uh, translator. And so some of the things she says, when you realize that uh, the voice actress herself is making her say those lines, <laughs> it's even better. Okay. So solid solid recommendation for like the kinds of fans that it's made for, I guess? Yeah, I I, I want to try to recommend it to even people it's not immediately targeted at because you never know you might actually be able to enjoy it past it. But yeah, I don't I don't know how to granulate that. Like I can't put on a scale like how much titty oh can God. you tolerate in an anime before this is too much? <laughs> like, like okay, so is it like explicitly fan service? It's like here is like shining, glistening, dancing. Okay. Oh yeah. All right. Yep. All right. All oh yeah. Right. Yep. All right. Yep. All right. Yep. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, but okay. So that was the yep. one that like you were surprised at how you enjoy, how much you enjoyed it. Yeah, and I would have difficulty recommending. There are four seasons There's of this out by the way. Of this? It's yeah. It's it's been going on and on and on. It started way back in like. 2013 something like that when i was in college and they just had its fourth season last year so who's watching it okay it's doing well somehow 
But yeah, the, the funny thing is, whenever I happen to meet someone out in the wild that has watched it, they have the exact same opinions <laughs> as me, where they absolutely love it, but they can never admit to mm-hmm. loving it. <laughs> wow. So yeah, Kyle, don't let me end the episode on this uh, trash show, okay, please. So, please bring right, us around. So, I, I, so I'm. This is a fairly popular series, right? And I, I guess I would say like it's finally something I've gotten around to and I think I'm surprised at like what it's about. Um, and it's not necessarily like a new or controversial opinion. It's just, I think I'm interested in how I connected with it because it's been around for so long. So I'm finally mm-hmm. digging in the Monogatari, into the Monogatari series. Oh, yeah, and you're telling me I that. had just finished Bakamonogatari and Kizumonogatari, and I'm really surprised at how philosophical it is. And you're reading, I am the, reading books, the books, correct? Yeah. So yeah. it's it's really melancholic. And oh, yeah. It, so th- the the thing to like put this into context is that I have been aware of of the franchise for a long time now. Like I'm somebody who regularly has Renai circulation on my playlist and I, <laughs> I've seen the memes. I've seen the fucking toothbrush memes. And it's like, okay, I know like stuff about the show, but I don't know what it's really about. And I think what really surprised me about it was how the fan service makes sense. And it's, done in such a way where it's an integral part of the storytelling which is kind of insane for me because i haven't really seen it done the same way um where like it, it, it's like the series is about is it Ar- aragi aragi yeah i don't forget how many bras are in there um but it's done from his perspective right and it's like portrayed with his whole like that he's a teenager and he like he he has like these like sexual urges right and you can't really avoid that but Mm. the way it's framed in the story is done in such a way where not only is it funny but it's it also like opens up the opens up avenues for like genuinely thought-provoking um like thought experiments so i would say that's something that surprised me about it um especially after having consumed the monogatari franchise by proxy mm-hmm. and something that i know i've only read the kiza monogatari books but i've watched a lot of the various anime series i've up to half of season two but it it, it purports purports is that a word purports? purports purports yes there we go purports many interesting uh chicken in the egg conundrums mm-hmm. i feel like where it, it, it really gets you thinking about how things came to be the way they are, why we accept the, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, things what, the way they are, why we think something is na- natural as opposed to something mm-hmm, else. Mm-hmm. Um, I know later down the line, once you get to Nisei Monogatari, one small little uh, philosophical spoiler, but kind of is a fake that is in a fake that is indistinguishable from the original has more valuable value than the original mm. itself. And that gets you like stuff like that. That that really sticks out in my mind. On top of like all the in the anime especially just the very purposeful and imagery heavy mm. uh scenes and uh frames that they have. The amount of information they pack into a single frame is incredible. 
and just the various angles yeah, and that, how that's they really what surprised me about it especially as i'm like finally digging into it and like seeing what it's all about and what the story is is it's it's incredibly artistic but also mm-hmm. incredibly like indulgent like it has it yeah. not only does it have fun with itself but it's clearly like like nisio is saying is very clearly like somebody who enjoys consuming pop culture but that's like mm-hmm. it, it informs such a large amount of his work. Something I was surprised about too when I started reading the Kizo book is I was shocked by how well it read because I was expecting kind of because the show presents itself as like a fever mm-hmm. dream in a way. It's a very organized fever dream, but it's a fever dream nonetheless. So I was expecting having to really pour over every single page to it's fully understand readable. what was going on. But in, in the readable. books. Yeah, and the books, if you want to understand what's going on the base level and the story itself, it's very easy to do so. But yeah, like you said, once it starts asking those really interesting questions, then you might go back and like reread a few lines here and there. But that's because you want to. It's not because yeah, I'm yeah, confused. Yeah, exactly, what the hell exactly. is happening? Um, but yeah, like the Monogat- like I and I, I just bought another box set, so I'm going to be planning on uh, getting through the rest of this. But as we were talking, I did remember something that surprised me. Um, which oh. was MMO Junkie. Oh, yes, because, that's right. <laughs> yes, it's a really good show. Um, and it's definitely something that I wouldn't have watched without a recommendation, because at first glance, the premise is kind of eh, and the animation is honestly not that great. The thing that carries it is mm-hmm. absolutely the story, because it's such a good, realistic look at not just like video games, but video game culture. In subculture mm-hmm. and the kinds of personalities that it draws and how different those people right. are and how they can come from any walk of life. Yes, the the full name of the show, for those who don't know, is called The Recovery of an MMO Junkie. And I wrote a piece on this back when it first aired. And the really brilliant thing about this show that I really enjoyed. So you, you hear about you hear the name Recovery of an MMO Junkie and you get the basic premise where this uh, middle aged woman drops out of her job. And starts playing an MMO and basically gets infatuated with one of her party members in there. She's also playing a male character when she is, in fact, a female. And so you think of it as like, oh, recovery is in like, we're going to watch her recover from being an MMO addict and like get her life back. But instead, it's not that. It's recovery in the fact that she went through some rather traumatic experiences in her workplace that they don't fully touch on, but they touch on Mm -hmm. just enough Mm -hmm. to like give you the ideas like she's in a bad place right now. And it shows how playing this MMO, playing with these people that she's never met in person in real life, still has this very therapeutic healing effect on her that affects her in real life, gets her to be more confident in herself, makes her take more pride in her appearances and things like that. And that was a very shocking thing for me to watch how in a lot of other series, they always portray video games as a bad thing or something that like the characters would probably be better off without. Uh, Of course, like SAO people, it's killing people. Uh, you got that one, like, you never thought girls existed in uh, an MMO, uh, sort of, whatever. Uh, yeah, and so, yeah, very negative portrayals of video games well, and MMOs specifically. Is that, like, it always feels like they're made by people who've never touched a video game, like, at all. Mm-hmm. But the great thing about MMO Junkie is that, like, I, I, so I'm somebody who spent a lot of time in high school playing World of Warcraft. And there are a lot of things, a lot of peculiarities in how the protagonist, like, approaches both her real life and 
how she fits gaming into that specifically logging into an mmo and having it be like a daily ritual kind of thing there are a lot of small idiosyncrasies that feel very close to home um not just from my perspective but from what it feels like the author at least if they've not played that kind of game before they at least understand the kind of personality that develops around it Mm -hmm. exactly it is a very pure show it's also very short only 12 13 Mm -hmm. episodes uh the story doesn't wrap up right i think there's more but it it ends on a very good note it ends satisfyingly enough yeah exactly it 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 gets to the event that you wanted Mm -hmm. to see happen Mm -hmm. basically all right. I think that's a very pure note to end uh, on. I, I, pulled one off. I pulled one out at the last second. Yes. We couldn't end with Keijo. <laughs> we definitely couldn't end with High School DxD. Couldn't let it end like that. All righty then. Kyle, where can uh, we find you at? Like The Rogue online on the internet. And uh, my... What about the uh, spider net? What is the spider net? I've never heard of it. What's there? I don't know. It's Are there spiders <laughs> in nets? Spiders. There are lots of spiders yeah, in nests. Who would do that? Who would do such a thing? <laughs> but for my episodely manga recommendation, uh, you should read uh, Musume no Tomodachi, My Daughter's Friend. It is what would happen if domestic Kanojo were good. <laughs> I've been meaning to start domestic uh, Kanojo. Watch it with a friend but... because it's definitely... Well, I I watched I watched the anime and then I wanted to start the oh, manga. At some yeah, point. it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's God. It's such a bad series. It's like oh boy, it's it's just a life. It's like a lifetime original movie. It's just so the melodrama. It, it so definitely bad. feels like a yeah, soap it's opera. It's so bad. It's so it's bad. <laughs> but yeah, uh, th- yeah. Th- this um, this series that I'm reading, Musume the Tomodachi, it takes a very trashy premise, which is what if this uh, single father in his 30s started a romantic relationship with his daughter's high school friend and it sounds so bad but it's done with such a realistic and very melancholic and heartfelt take on like what are the actual implications of that happening what kind of person would be what kind of people would be like what what would their lives be for them to be drawn to that kind of situation and it takes a very grounded look yeah, and I feel like that's definitely been a trend with a lot of these uh, forbidden mm-hmm. romance series. It's like I rarely see a forbidden romance series that's purely for like the kinky nature of it. Like they are typically actually serious explorations about like this is taboo for yeah. a reason, but going they back, still have it. How it like, can happen. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wouldn't really say that. Mm, that's yeah. But. There's mm-hmm. another show coming up either this season or the next, I can't remember, but the full name, it's oh, one of those Lord. long ass names, it? but it's like, I shaved my beard oh, and now yeah, a high school girl one, is living with me. That, that's also a manga series I've been reading. <laughs> okay. I, I heard it's similar yeah, story similar though, where it's like actually yeah. pretty mm-hmm. grounded. Yeah. So I'll, I want to check it, that it's out. It's definitely like, you can't get past the fact that like, you're probably reading it because it's like, oh, hey, kind of reaction. It's an it's attention, attention grabber. grabber. But yeah. The way it like keeps you into the story, it's like I actually can only read like a chapter at a time because it is actually really stressful to read. It, it, oh, it yeah. is because things can yeah because things can fall apart at like any moment. But you want you kind of like want them to keep going, but you don't because you know it's wrong. But it's also like they just kind of need that relief that the that 
they offer each other. And it's like, uh, it's really good. It's really good. There's good tension. <laughs> yeah. I might check it out if I'm in the mood. When I'm not feel when I don't feel like getting stressed go. out. Alright. I am at Musing Mojack, M-U-S-I-N-G-M-O-J-A-C-K. I'm also the anime editor on Goomba Stomp. We have just published our best anime of the decade list. 2020. Took a took a lot of effort. I think we've been working on that for over two oh months in terms of nominating, voting, and writing the capsules, and then putting it all together. So we are very proud of that. I was very pleased when we were at the top of Google for like a day and a half, and then an IGN <laughs> posted their list and booted us off. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think there's a lot to look into. I'm very pleased with how it turned out. Of course, like I wish that some of it was rearranged, but that's how it is for any list. So definitely, if you're looking to see what the big things were in the past 10 years, well, check that Well, one that out. didn't make the list, watch uh, your camp. Yes, watch Eurocamp. That's not my recommendation, though. That's a bonus recommendation. Watch Eurocamp. It got snubbed. That's the biggest snub. It should have been on there. It was on IGN's list for crying out loud. Anyways, my actual recommendation will be I will double down on Sora no Woto. It's just a very... Despite its melancholic nature, it's a very calming and soothing show that knows when to ramp up the stakes when it needs to and keeps you invested and interested in its world and characters. With that, that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us, and Happy New Year's, and we will see you next, next time. time. Ciao.